0: Today on the Beginner Photography Podcast.
1: Sports photography is, I'll tell you, it's not very high paying. It is not the thing that we do to take our kids on vacation. But it is a very awesome loss leader for our business. But I tell you, when you shoot weddings and you shoot sports in Pittsburgh, like I had a two-page spread in Sports Illustrated about two years ago. So our clients saw that. So I'm with the parents and, and it was a high-priced wedding. And I show them the, the wedding book, but the dad looking at the Sports Illustrated. So I said, oh, I have a picture in here. I showed it to him. And he looked at me. And his daughter wanted to hire me already. He wasn't sure because it was a lot of money. And he looked at me, he looked up and he goes, well, if
0: you're good enough for the Penguins in Sydney and Sidney Crosby, you're good enough for my daughter. Hey guys, Raymond here from the Beginner Photography Podcast. And today we are talking about what it takes to become a Super Bowl photographer. So let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast with Raymond Hatfield, the podcast dedicated to interviewing world-class photographers to ask them the questions you want answered. Whether you want to be the world's best wedding photographer, family photographer, pet photographer, or you just want to take better photos of your kids growing up, we will get you to start taking better photos today. Here with you as always, husband, father, home brewer, L.A. Dodgers fan, and award-winning Indianapolis wedding photographer, Raven Hatfield.
0: Thank you all so, so much for joining me today and listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. I hope that you guys are having a wonderful week. Where. Hopefully coming to the end of winter. So if you live somewhere snowy, I hope that uh, it's, it's starting to warm up. It is kind of here in Indianapolis today. It's supposed to be like 60 when yesterday I think it was like 13. We, it's just been really, really strange weather. But um, I'm hoping that it starts to warm up and we can get outside and I can schedule more engagement sessions. Because obviously this time of the year, a lot of people get engaged. I book a lot of sessions. The problem being... The weather so unpredictable, you don't know what's going to happen. So if you plan something three weeks out, four weeks out, it all sounds good on paper. Come the week before, the weather report says, oh, no, it's going to be, you know, blizzarding that day. And trying to come up with some uh, interesting ideas or, or unique workarounds can be tough sometimes. So I've been trying to schedule my engagement sessions recently indoors, you know, maybe a coffee shop or going to a, uh, a shooting range or... Um, Just this last weekend, I had an engagement session in a brewery, and it turned out fantastic. Uh, It was frigid, which is why it worked out so well, right? When it's nice outside, everybody wants to be outside. They want to, you know, be in the trees. They want, like, great shots outside and just looking like this is what they do all the time. They go out and they they have fun, but... When it's really cold, you don't really want to fake those photos. Like, that's that's not what I want to do. I don't want to go out and take those photos, you know, at the park bench or next to the tree when it's so cold that you can't even feel your fingers or that your nose starts to get red. And then fake it to make it look warm. I mean, it can be done, sure. But that's... I would rather get something genuine with a couple because when they're comfortable with each other, then the photos are just going to be better. So I'm super happy that we planned it for a brewery, and it was super great. I had never been to this place before. It's called St. Joseph's Brewing Company in uh, downtown Indy, and it's it's actually an old church, which was just made a really cool backdrop. A lot of great photos in there. And uh, we did end up walking around outside as it warmed up a little bit, but the wind, whoo! picked up so that is why once again you know people the couple just started to get a little bit uncomfortable it was it was cold they wanted to put on their jackets as soon as possible and i completely understood um but i'm glad that we got some of the shots inside because if we had to do it exclusively outside it just would have it wouldn't have been as fun and it wouldn't have been um as memorable always have a backup is what i'm trying to say Especially if you live somewhere where it's really, really cold. If you live in like Florida or Texas or you know Southern California, well then you guys could just do whatever you want year round, I suppose. Um, but but when you live in the more northern states where it actually snows a little bit, you got to get uh, creative when it comes to planning your engagement session, and you also want it to match the couple because ultimately it's their photos, and, and and you're doing it for them and and not to build your portfolio. Guys, I am super excited about this episode because I've been trying to set this up for a few weeks now and finally happened. And there are so many great tips in today's interview. I know a lot of you out there have kids. Kids like to play sports when they're grown up, soccer, baseball, you know, football, uh, basketball as well. And a lot of times you want to take your camera. Especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're into photography, you're probably going to want to take your camera and take photos of your kids. And this episode has so many great actionable tips for parents looking to take better photos of their kids doing sports. And also, you know, great tips on, on becoming, on how to become or how to, you know, kind of get your way into professional sports photography. So no matter who you are, you know what, even if you don't have kids, even if you don't shoot sports, I guarantee that this episode is going to have a lot of value for you because as you'll find out, it is not all about, you know, being the best sports photographer. A lot of it is just about being nice to people and the human connection. And today's guest shares a lot of great tips. So I hope that you enjoy. So let's go ahead and get into today's episode right now with... The incredible Vincent Puglisi. Today's guest has shot just about every major sporting event from NBA playoffs, the Super Bowl, uh, the Kentucky Derby, and my favorite, the World Series. So to say that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to sports photography would be a complete understatement, as his photos have been published in almost every national news outlet. So today I'm really excited to get into it with today's guest, Vinny Puglisi. Is that it? Did I pronounce it right? Got it. Nailed it! Nobody ever gets it right. You got Dang! It. Wow, that was no. a, that was a complete shot in the dark. I'm so surprised that I got that right. <laughs> Easier just to go ahead
1: and try it. Don't
0: overthink it. Yeah, you might as well right. There, there's no sense okay. in wasting time. So, uh, was all that right? I mean, that is that is a a, um, a a resume that is just incredible to have. I mean, some people's like dying wish is obviously just to go to one Super Bowl, and here you are on the field with the players. So. Obviously, you didn't start out at at the top. So, how long have you um, been in photography?
1: Uh, Twenty three years now. It's crazy. When I hear those things, it's like it doesn't sound like it's me. Like I think <laughs> back, like yeah, I was there. Yeah, I shot that. But uh, I, that seems like it's somebody else's thing when you, when you read that. So that's pretty humbling to hear. So I that's think all that, you.
0: That is all you,
1: man. <laughs> uh, it's, it's. I mean, it, it honestly is. It's so much about relationships and connections, and I think that gets so lost in the photography world sometimes. In terms of getting what you have to get, but everything that I've gotten is due to relationships that we have formed since the very beginning. I mean, and I started as, as low as you could possibly get. I was, you know, I was, I was, I was broke. I, I, I was, uh, I bought a camera because I was desperate because I really just wanted to try something different as opposed to failing at everything that I had failed already. I mean, it was really the case. I was 22 years old and I was living with my parents, and I still hadn't moved out. And, and, and my dad just one night really kind of jolted me and said, you know, you should try this. And uh, I said, you know, I failed at everything that I've tried so far, so I might as well. This sounds cool. So I bought a camera the next day, and I enrolled in community college the next day, and I really wanted to do sports photography. Like, instead of sitting on the couch watching the games, like, could I really be one of those guys that's on the field? And that's really was the thought. And uh, so I would buy tickets, and I was in New York. I would buy tickets to the Mets game, the Yankee game, and I would sneak into the front I would, I would buy the cheapest seat, and I would sneak into the front row almost every game. And I would just shoot pictures. And so I'd go back the next day and I'd look at the newspaper and see what pictures the real photographers took. And then I would start comparing myself, like how did I do? And then I would start asking the photographers. I would, I would sneak down by the photo wealth and I would ask them what film they used, who they worked for, and they probably got so tired of me. You know? <laughs> but I, I was in the front row three or four nights a week um, of a baseball or a hockey game, um, football.
0: Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. That's insane. That's hilarious to hear you say that at 22, you felt like you had failed at everything and you were about to give up when it's like... (laughs) I'm I'm 29 now, and I still feel like I know nothing. Like I have no idea what I'm doing in life. So, uh, w- when you when you first started taking photos, when you'd sneak into these games, uh, what was the what was the plan from there? Did you just take photos and just kind of hoard them, or, or was the goal to to sell them? I guess what was the business side of the sports photography for you? Business side?
1: I didn't even I don't think I even heard that word. The business side. You know, it's like <laughs> I had no I had no plan except to just try to get better. That was the only thing I, I wasn't thinking, oh, how am I going to monetize this? Like, that's the word now. Like, how do you mon- – like, go get better, you know, before you worry about monetizing it yet. And that's so uncomfortable today because I think it's, it's such a quick culture now. You know, you put something some on Instagram, you get the likes, like, what next? It's like, but you don't hone your craft that way. You hone it by making mistakes. And that's why I, I just wanted to get better. And I just wanted experiences. It's what I really wanted. I, I wanted to not sit in an office. <laughs> it's what I really wanted to do. I did not want to wear a tie. And if I could, if I could make even then like thirty thousand dollars somehow doing that, as opposed to making one hundred and fifty as an accountant, I feel like I have won because that's just my personality. Um, and I'm going to get experience. I'm going to be able to tell stories. I'm going to meet people. So that was the whole thing. I had such a low expectation that I couldn't really fail, and that was really nice.
0: Wow, that's like a super refreshing um, Way to hear about How did you get into photography Because I feel like today Like you were saying It's a really quick uh, culture Everybody wants instant And a lot of times There's a lot of people who A lot of listeners Who want to get into wedding photography And I think that A big part of it is because they just see the dollar signs attached to the wedding photography as opposed to thinking, how can I take the best photo and then how can I apply that on a wedding day? Um, So I think that your approach was, I would say today would be completely unique, (laughs) which is really (laughs) weird to think about.
1: I I honestly think Facebook and Instagram, if that would have been around in 1994, I wouldn't have done what I did Mm -hmm. simply because Mm -hmm. I would have been looking for the likes. And I would have been looking for the comments and I would have actually thought I was a lot better than I was because my mom would have been telling me. (laughs) But my mom didn't even see the pictures I had filmed. And by the time I got it done, she was doing something else, you know. So I had nobody to show except for an editor. And those editors were real with me. They said, yeah, this one's okay, but these suck. I I don't know if I can use that word in your podcast, but, you know. Oh, absolutely. I remember my first portfolio critique, and you actually did this. Uh, This is going to age me, date me. You used to have slides and you would go to photo editors, and I, a, a sleeve of 20 slides, and I had you know, meticulously crafting your portfolio, this, that, and I remember going to Joe Elbert from the Washington Post, I met him at some conference, and I was so nervous, and I gave him my 20 slides, this was like my Holy Grail, and he looked at it, and he pulled two pictures out, and he slid the, the thing back to me, 18 pictures, I thought I did pretty good, and he gave, showed me the two pictures, he goes, these can stay. Everything else has to go.
0: <laughs> that must have been a real boost of confidence for you.
1: For a moment, I was heartbroken. And then I said, well, I got two. I got two that Joe Albert said worked. So I put that back in and I started over with those two. Um, but with Instagram, everybody's so great all the time and everybody's opinion that it's like, well, I should get paid but this guy's getting paid. But it's not just that one picture. It's how do you do consistently? How do you do when the weather's not good? How do you do when, you know, if you're doing weddings, how the mother-in-law is treating you poorly or the light's terrible, it's how you do it consistently. Because we've done weddings for 12 years now. And um, yeah, so, so I think it was really good being able to get started that way, where I didn't have the, the public perception. I was a nobody for a long time.
0: <laughs> I think it's also much more fun that way, because it it really it can take the wind out of your sails when you're having a good time, and you think that what you have is really good, and then you show it off to the world, and you get no likes or comments yeah. or anything on it, so. Yeah. Uh, so, can you kind of talk me through the transition of how how then you went from shooting these games that you'd sneak into as an unofficial photographer to was the next step looking at uh, or showing your photos to editors?
1: Yeah, well, the, the next step was learning how it was done because what I noticed is the Nassau Coliseum in New York is not there anymore. It's actually, they're rebuilding it, um, but you can literally walk up to the glass and I can see the photographers there. Now there are different levels. You know, you have to kind of step down to get there. You can just literally walk up and pull up a folding chair. So I kind of watched the photographers, and I noticed that the fans that wanted to take pictures usually had a jersey on and a hat, and they were all excited to get down by the glass, and they got kicked out immediately. So I watched, and all the photographers looked bored. They all just looked bored sitting there, like, oh, yeah. So I remember I showed up the next game. I wore, like, a regular boring sweater, and I pulled up, and I had my cameras, and I sat down, and I... You know, and I had the chair and the security guard comes up to me and I go, another game. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, the, it was my first time I ever did it. He goes, yeah, another game. And I was like, I'm in. So I got his name. I started talking. So I, I probably shot the whole season there. They never knew that I wasn't even credentialed. Um, so I kind of learned how it worked a little bit, like how the protocol was to being a professional. They were, nobody was overwhelmed by it. You know, when people see, when you read my bio, all my friends go big deal. They've all done the same thing. So there's nothing special about it. You know, you you just elevate elevate um but what happened with me i got very lucky and unlucky i probably sent phone calls i probably emailed not emailed i i I called probably a hundred different publications around the country to see if i can get a free internship and everybody turned me down newspapers magazines no everybody said no like what's your do you have a degree no i didn't have a degree i had nothing except a little portfolio well i finally got very lucky Bruce Bennett Studios out of New York, they were the team photographers for the Rangers and Islanders and the Devils, and I was a huge hockey fan. They were looking for an intern. So I said, is there any possibility that I could ever shoot again? Maybe. So I got a free internship where I basically restocked shelves and and files and slides, and I would do that every day, and I would, you know, I get to meet the photographers that actually shot the games, and then eventually I got offered a game. It was the day before my birthday, November 26th, I still remember it. And it was the first game, Mario Mew versus Mark Messier, Rangers versus Penguins. So it was really a cool game to shoot. But that was the very beginning. And I would do those games for very little money. But I would build my portfolio. I would get a good shot. and they would, Then it would get published. I got a hockey card. I got in some magazines. They started to trust me a little bit more. That led to an internship at Newsday in New York where I got paid like $25 a day. But I still – I was shooting New York Giants. I was shooting, you know, the Yankees in the World Series. I was – but it wasn't very much money, but that led to another gig and connections. And by the time you've done that for a couple different places, people get to know your name a little more. If you've been nice to people, they will like you. And it continues. The ones that I wasn't nice to didn't like me, and it didn't continue <laughs> with that so.
0: But screw them. They're in the past now. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so that kind of brings me to uh, my next question is is – when I go to a sports game, I see a lot of photographers on the field. And my, my first question is, who do these photographers work for? Do they work for the team? Do they, is it like a freelance thing? Or are they working for publications? Or How does that work? It's all of
1: them. Um, if you see the guys in the bright-colored vest at an NFL game, like you were at that Colts game, yeah. um, they've got a brighter-colored vest. They have more access. They can go on the field beforehand. It used to be that we all could. They've made that a little more restricted, so they they can go anywhere. They go in the locker rooms, they go um, on like they can go by the sidelines that we can't go, like in inside the inside like the team sidelines. We can't. We can go to the 35 yard line. And you um, said that those are the the team photographers, right? Teams, yeah, and they, they'll generally be a couple from each team. You know, if the Steelers go on the road, you know they'll travel with their photographers. The Colts have their own guys. Um, there's that, and then you have a variety. You have wire services like. USA Today and Getty. Um, then you have your local newspapers, and then you have a handful of Internet services that, that might get credentials if they have enough credibility. So it's a combination of newspapers, wire services, magazines, and team people that work for the team.
0: How, how does that normally work for you? What, what, has been, what would you think today, if you had to start over today, would be the best avenue to go?
1: Probably a small newspaper. Would be. It depends on your. It all depends on connections, because nobody's just going to call you up and hire you. Um, um, and a lot of times, you're going to have to do it, you know, for very little money. Or sports photography, is, I'll tell you, it's not very high paying. It is not the thing that we do to take our kids on vacation. <laughs> um, but it is a very awesome loss leader for our business. Um, we we do okay with the sports, and, and I've never 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 tried to do phenomenal with it. But I tell you, when you shoot weddings and you shoot sports in Pittsburgh. Like, I had a two page spread in Sports Illustrated about two years ago. Wow, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. So, our client saw that, and I had it in, in the book. They wanted to see it at, um, you know, with the wedding album. So, I'm with the parents, and, and it was a high priced wedding. And I show them the, the wedding book, but the dad's looking at the Sports Illustrated. So, I said, Oh, I have a picture in here. I showed it to him. And he looked at me, and his daughter wanted to hire me already. He wasn't sure because it was a lot of money. And he looked at me, he looked up, and he goes, Well, if you're good enough for the Penguins and Sidney Crosby, you're good enough for my daughter. And he hired on the spot. And I was like – and that happened probably five to – no, maybe about like three or four times that year. Same type of thing. So even on our website, we have sports prominent because people relate to it.
0: Yeah. Do you just now bring that Sports Illustrated to every client meeting? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so worn out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I had a question about um, – uh, recently in, in a Facebook group that I'm in, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, specifically – only shooting raw and then a few years ago i believe it was it was uh, getty who said that photographers could only submit jpeg images and then sports photographers almost almost overnight it seemed switched completely just to jpeg and then of course as wedding photographers people get upset with that i don't know why but um is there any way that you could walk me through your workflow on a game day whether You know, a lot of people have questions whether you edit the photos, if you just hand cards over to somebody, and um, I guess, do you shoot RAW or do you shoot JPEG? There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear, like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices. And you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So, sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com. And as a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar.
1: I, I, I do both. I try to do both um, because I want the raw image. Because if you get that shot, you know, you want it in RAW, you don't want it in JPEG, but they don't want them in RAW. They want quick turn. That's why, compare, anybody that's comparing the, the wedding world to the sports world, it's, it's two different careers, two different businesses. Weddings, you're not working on a deadline where you need to submit an image as soon as the period's over because you need to beat the six other wire services. But that's what they're going through. So they don't want to download the, the bigger files and have to go through that. They want a good enough image now. Um, so a workflow for me, it depends on, on who I'm shooting for. Like I'll shoot for a couple of, you know, magazines or weekly publications on purpose because I don't want to transmit that night. I want to shoot the pictures I want to shoot. And I've, I've built my career up that I can do that. Um, but if I'm shooting for a wire service at Getty, because I shot for them for a couple of years, you are shooting pre-game, you are coming back and transmitting a handful of images for them. Like say it's a hockey game you're coming out in between, you're transmitting maybe five to seven images, you're coming right back, you're shooting the first period, same situation. They're probably gonna want 20 images from the game, but they have to be done probably within 10, 15 minutes of the game being over, all of them. And then they want a second edit the next day, which kind of was a deal breaker for me, because it didn't used to be that way. When I shot with the AP way back, you know, you shot your film and you gave, you transmitted a couple extent of the film and you were done the wire service, they're, they're asking for a lot more work but then not a lot more money. So I'm kind of, I, so what I've built my career lately is finding ways to do it without having to go through all that. I would still be shooting for Getty because they're the most prominent, the most well-known, but I didn't enjoy the workflow, I didn't enjoy the pictures that I had to shoot because of it because they want a lot more, st- not Getty, but AP1's more standard stuff, guy throwing the ball, but I want more storytelling images for myself. So I find the avenues that I could do that for different magazines or publications I can do that for. So, does that help in terms of
0: the workflow? Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to today's show in just a moment. Do you want your photos to have more life? Do you want to know exactly what camera settings to use and why? Well, professional photographers all over the world capture beautiful images by shooting in manual mode. Why? Because it unlocks your camera's full potential. But how do you know what settings you should use? Well, I want to break that down for you in my free ebook, Picture Perfect Camera Settings, which you can download over at perfectcamerasettings.com. In the book, I'm going to share different lighting situations that you'll find yourself in and photos that I've captured with real camera settings and how to know which settings to change to get the look that you want so don't wait download your free copy over at perfect settings.com to unlock your camera's full potential now let's get back to today's interview and i that's that's so insane that in between <laughs> in between oh, yeah. while you're at the game you still have to send photos back that is you know maybe if uh, if if hiring multiple wedding photographers at a wedding becomes a thing maybe maybe that'll be an option is starting to deliver photos that next day
1: well lucky thing with your brides or they're kind of they have an important they're they are basically your wire service your magazine and they're kind of busy that night they're not waiting for real time pictures <laughs> or something. so good um, point good point it's just, it's a totally different if you're shooting a wedding yeah you gotta shoot everything on raw
0: yeah. You know, when, when it comes to wedding photography, as you know, there, there's a, there's an easy story to tell, right? The getting ready of the day, this person mm-hmm. loves this person, they confess their love and then they party the night away. When it comes to sports photography, how do you, are, are you trying to tell a story or how do you take photos if you are for a story that is uh, untold yet, or you don't know the outcome to?
1: That's, that's what I love about it. Kind of, to me, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to weddings. Um, we, we shoot weddings the same way. We don't recreate anything because like it's just like with football. Antonio Brown makes that 50-yard diving catch. I can't ask him to do it again. <laughs> so it's my job as a photographer to get it. And that's the challenge of I it. Mean, if I can recreate everything, it's kind of boring to me. Like, yeah, I'll get the picture, but where's the challenge of doing what I'm doing? Because um, you can really fall back on that a lot. Um, so we look at it as a complete – it's my wife and I. Um, we're equal in this business, and she's better a photographer than I am. So, I'm a better sports photographer, she's a better photographer. Uh, but it's the type of thing where, you know, we look at everything like a story. It, it, you walk into a wedding, it's very easy to be like, well, it's all the same. Well, no, it's not, because I can walk into Heinz Field and say it's all the same. They're wearing the same uniforms, same stadium, same field, and same clock. We know when it's gonna start, we know when it's gonna end, somebody's gonna win, somebody's gonna lose. But what happens during that time is what the story is. It's not, So same thing with weddings. Every Every client is different. Every client has different emotions, different families, different dynamics, and we go into it looking for what are the nuances and dynamics of eat, of this person. So that when they look at the pictures, they go, "That's really me. That's not the photographer doing a pose. That was really the way my husband laughs, or looks, or cries." So it's a it's a it's a challenge. I, we leave every at the house every day. We got this bag full of discs that are empty. And when we come home that night, we have to have this complete story of who these people really are when we get back, and that's our challenge. So it's it's very similar to sports in my mind.
0: Well, what is it that you're trying to? Um, w- when you go into a game, w- what are you thinking? What what is your main goal? Right, like don't screw up. <laughs> don't screw up yeah. <laughs> okay. So aside from that, what what is what is the photo that you want to take? Is it is it the emotion? Is it the catch? Like like. Kind of walking you off know, through that.
1: It's it's what's that? You don't know. Yeah. That's the that's what I love about it. I love uncertainty. And I just the AFC championship game two weeks ago. You don't know. I mean, I can't walk in there saying I want to get the Steelers winning the AFC championship and then look around and be like, wait, they didn't do that. I didn't get it. No, you didn't get it because it didn't happen. What did happen? Did you capture the plays that they had? Is your back Oh, your and that goes into what we're talking about, but I emailed you like, how are your backgrounds? How are you setting the way setting up the way that you shoot? Are you setting yourself up for failure by shooting with the other bench in the background or a really you know bright scoreboard to where if they do make the catch, you've got a big distraction behind you? Or are you setting yourself up? Do you know how the play is gonna go? Like do you do you know the tendency of the players? Where do the where do the where does the quarterback like to throw the ball on third down? You study it and you kick. so it makes it easier. Some people how do you get those pictures? Well you pay attention. Pay attention to the players, pay attention to their body language.
0: Wow, that's th- a whole lot more goes into sports photography than I think a lot of people realize. Uh, you know, when you just mentioned that, when you got to really study the players, you got to study what it is that they do and and how they they play each game. Which is funny because that's it's essentially what the the whole job of the other team, right, is to try to study the players, figure out how they're going to play the game, so that when they face them, they can stop them from I don't know making an advancement or something. So. <laughs>
1: You, you you get you start to learn these things. You start to get instinct. It's funny. I'm kind of annoying to watch a football game with because I'll tell you <laughs> what happens. I'm looking through my lens tight at these. I know what it's a ball star. everybody's, they don't even know that a flag's been dropped yet. I'm like, yeah. so they throw a touchdown. With I'm like, oh, it's coming back. What? Did you see this? So you kind of <laughs> get this, you kind of get the sixth sense because you're you. That's what you watch every day and you study.
0: I went to uh, film school because originally I wanted to uh, be a cinematographer. And my wife will just cool. not. Watch any movies with me for the same reason. I'll be like, "Why?" Would trying, I- yeah. There's no reason that this camera should be moving right now, and she just gets so aggravated with me. That's hilarious. It, it's, 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 my friend's in the music, and he's like, "The more you play it, the more it
1: ruins music for you because you don't get the way you don't feel it and hear it the way that you did when you were a music fan." You go, well, "Why they doing that?" I wish they were You know, you start doing that
0: type of stuff, and it's the same. It's the same thing. So, can you? You you obviously can't just passively go watch a watch a sports game anymore.
1: Oh yeah, I can't, but I don't. I, I am. I am so. <laughs> I, we watched the Super Bowl, and that was fun. We've watched, you know. But I used to be a huge sports fan on television, and with the commercials and just, it's just so. It's so. I gotta be honest with you. Sorry, sports world. I, it's so boring to me now to watch on television. Um, and the funny thing that you think my kids would be so into it, like this is what I've done. I try. They could care less. They're into bugs. They're into dirt. Like they're into doing their own. Like, and I love that because I don't want. You know. I, I don't want to sit in front of the TV for four hours watching every game. Now, the, the certain games, yeah, but I'm not annoying, I don't think. I hope not. I'll ask my wife if I'm annoying to watch
0: all the games. <laughs> yeah, she'll have the answers for sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, when when I watch, like, lots of sports games on TV, I'm a huge Dodger fan. I love the Dodgers. Whenever I oh. watch, uh, there's always, you know, these photographers. All of them that you see, they have lenses, you know, a meter long, cost $10,000 plus, what would you suggest to maybe the parent or the um, beginner sports photographer who obviously just doesn't want to refinance their house to, yeah. to buy a new lens? What would you suggest for them?
1: You gotta do the best with what you have. Um, you have to. You have to just understand the limits of your camera so that you don't get disappointed by like, if you've got a zoom lens that's 3.5 to 5.6, five right? You've got a kit lens and you got a best buy. And you go to shoot your kids' basketball game inside. Now, I could hear the complaints every single time. It's too dark. It's too, you know, the lights, the color of the lights, the movement. Well, a lot of that has to do with your gear. And you're limited by where you're shooting it. And there's no way around that in some ways without better gear. Um, you could do certain things like getting closer to the court, get permission to see if you can because the closer you get to the court, the light reflecting off the floor, depending on the area, you're going to get better light than your subjects, and they're not going to be as much the movement's going to be easier to stop, um, which is going to make for a better picture. Um, outside, you're, you're better. You get more available light. But what they have to do, what I see so many parents that shoot pictures of their kids make the mistake is they don't pay attention to their backgrounds at all. So they'll get a good picture of their kid running, but there's this awful yellow minivan right behind them. And, and, and they had the option to move And then get a spot where when the kid does cut the corner with the ball, you got a nice, clean background. So using your lens as well and paying attention to the backgrounds are two big things I see people making big mistakes with
0: in the beginning. Smart. I love it. So not only is it obviously sports photography and just photography in general isn't only about the camera gear, but it's so much more about the technicals and the the extras, like you said, looking out for the background just to try to make the photo so much better.
1: Yeah, and, and I think so many people are so wrapped up in getting, like, that, that picture of their kid with the ball when there's so many pictures they miss, like the quiet moments, like the stuff before the game, after the game. Um, just really story, those the, That's when the storytelling images happen. That's when you, like, I mean, there's, no, there's nothing more, for me, more exciting at an NFL game than right after the national anthem is sung and they start the game. That is my favorite time. The Why is that? Box. Because it, they're all real. They're not machines at that point. They're, you see the emotion on their. You don't see the emotion during the game, but most of them, you see it then. They're, they're like wide-eyed kids. <laughs> they're about to go play in this game. They're, it might be the last game they ever play in football because you don't know with injuries. They know that. They block it all out. But there is something between that national anthem and right before the kickoff that I just it's – just, it's just really cool. So, so if you want to get a real storytelling picture of an NFL player, a lot of it happens then or right when the game ends.
0: What do you try to focus on then? Before or after? Uh, like right after the national anthem. R- right after it finishes, where are you going? What what shot are you trying to get? It depends on where I'm, I'm situated. I could be lining up just for action
1: sometimes. Depends on how lazy I am. Um, but often I'll, I'll be along the sidelines and I'm looking for that, you know, that player just saying a prayer or jumping off of the bench or hugging a, player, or hugging a teammate or going – just – Maybe something even just really, really kind of visual where they're kind of down low and you're wide with the stadium. So you see the depth, the depth of field of where they are, like the, 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 the sense of place of where they are and just them alone in that situation. You know, I, I try not to predetermine very often. Mm-hmm. I try to respond to what's going on and make the images accordingly because you just you can go in and pre-visualize, but it's generally not going to happen the way you think. So you're best to be more adaptable and go in and find what's there and make it good.
0: How how often, this is kind of side, I didn't have this written down or anything. How often are you looking through the camera and how often are you like just looking around trying to find something? Are you you just firing away shots or are you you spending less time behind the camera?
1: I look around a lot because you can't, and you're shooting with a 400 millimeter lens. You know, you only see this really narrow perspective of where you (laughs) are. So like, like I was telling you about that, the, the course that we did, the, one, of the, one of the lessons is basically look behind you. Um, one, of the, one of my favorite pictures I ever shot was during a, it was an indie. it was at the Old Dome, and it was modern day high school was playing, because we used to cover them in, in Evansville, and they were playing for the, the state championship. they won the year before, and they lost to, I think it was Fort Wayne. Um, they were losing at the end of the game, and I had enough dejection of the team, they were, you could see they were losing. But I had this feeling and I turned around and there were four cheerleaders from modern day in the front row and they were crying and hugging each other. And so they were in the crowd, but that was the picture. And it was right behind me. But if I would have just focused on the field, I would have gotten another player kind of just running with the ball. And, I got, and it ran front page, six columns, like it was, it was the picture. So it was directly behind me, not on the field, but that was the best picture that I made
0: that night. That's genius. You, you just mentioned your, your your new course, and I kind of want to talk about that because if there's anybody who should be teaching a course about sports photography, it's going to be you with all of your experience. So can you tell me a little bit about the course, who it's for, and uh, and, and what it is that people are going to learn?
1: Yeah. Um, I've teamed up with this great guy named Kyle Schultz become a very good friend of mine. And he runs a thing called Schultz Photo School, and I think he's got like 80,000 people within the school. It's fantastic. He, and he teaches parents – I think better pictures of their kids. And we're in a mastermind group together in a community together. And um, we met in November and I said, I have an idea. And he said, and he said, yes. And I was like, well, you don't even know what I'm gonna say. I said, he said, go, go ahead and ask me. I said, why don't I do a sports photography course for your school? And he goes, that's exactly what I was thinking. And yes. <laughs> so since then we've been working on this and it's just phenomenal. Um, we have this nine um, part course, free course, that we're giving anybody that wants it. And so it's basically talking through some of the things that we've talked about today. Nine lessons for the beginner parent photographer to take, parent photographer to take better pictures of their kids. Um, in the spring, we're rolling out a, a paid course for anybody that wants it. Um, but this is just something we're giving away, no no strings attached, It's just something to, to help people see a little bit. And it has nothing to do with your camera. That's what Kyle loved about it. He goes, this has nothing to, these are things that we talked about, like your backgrounds, and how to do that, you know, how to, how to take a great sports picture with a wide angle lens. Because a lot of people don't have the good long lens. But there's ways of getting great sports pictures with a wide lens that are some of my favorite sports pictures that I shot with a wide lens. I didn't need a full hundred. So there's a lot of things like that. Um, so that's actually rolling out in just a couple of days. I think Valentine's Day, you said it's, it's, uh, it's starting. So we're really
0: excited about that. Wow. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Where can, where can people find your course? Schultz Photo School. I, I can read the address if you want. You know what? <laughs> uh, you can just send me the link and I'll go ahead and put it in the show notes for sure. So that yeah. uh, anybody who wants to find it can just head over to the website and then just click the link and go over there and sign up. And a free course, I mean, it's hard to beat that. You can't beat a free course, especially for something that I feel like there's really not a lot of education on uh, to begin with online. It's its its not really like a niche or anything, but it, it's something that requires – other people. It's so hard to get like a group of models together to try to have them set up a sports game and then you go ahead and shoot that. So I think that sounds like a lot of fun.
1: What's really unique about this is what I realized as we were doing it is I had such a hard time getting this information myself when I started. I had to study and study. And what I realized, and to no fault of their own, nobody really wanted to give the information out because it meant that somebody was going to come along and use it and take their job away. Right. And I'm in the fortunate position where. I do a whole lot of different things. I coach business. I shoot sports. I shoot weddings. I do, we do these courses. So I don't feel threatened by it at all. I can give all this stuff away and not feel any problem. So it's like I'm going deeper into this stuff than what anybody's told me as opposed to like telling a story but not really giving me an actionable tip. Like we're giving really good actionable tips just because so you can take better pictures. Because, I mean, you think about it. You spend so much money on your kids in sports, so much time. And to come away with these same I hate to say crappy pictures that I keep seeing. It's like, if I can help people do better with that, then it feels great.
0: That's hilarious. What is the, <laughs> when you look at these photos from parents, what's the one thing that you see and you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is definitely a photographer. What's the biggest mistake that they make?
1: Oh, I don't want to, I want to put anybody down. What's the biggest <laughs> mistake? They don't get
0: close enough. Don't get close enough.
1: Physically get close enough. They rely on a zoom lens to get them closer where sometimes that you need that but often you don't. You fit, I, mean, I, I guess the one thing, the pet peeve that I have when I see are people shooting from the bleachers, and please don't take offense to me, people that shoot from the bleachers, but you're not going to get a good, you're generally not going to get a good picture from the bleachers in your kids' basketball game. You're going to have the woman in front of you with the white hair. You're going to use a flash. It's going to blow out her hair. Your kid's going to be dark. There's going to be motion. It's, it takes a real, I mean, to get, To get what I would consider a picture that's going to elevate you, you can get an okay picture. They might be dribbling the ball in the background, but it's not going to really make you stand out or really like have an emotion for you. See, I want my photographs to have some type of an emotion. I want to elicit either happiness or how you felt when you lost. Just something that brings back memories and emotion. And that's what you—that's what you know most photographers want to do.
0: So just get closer. Get off those bleachers. Just get closer to the kids. Take better photos. Yeah. Uh, what, knowing what you know now, what would you tell a young Vinny who just picked up his first camera about the world of sports photography?
1: Be nice to people. You probably weren't expecting that, right? No, no, I wasn't. (laughs) I've seen so many people ruin so many opportunities by thinking about what they needed and nobody else. I'm, I'm serious. I can, I can think of 10 names right now that. They they are great photographers and they're still stuck in the same position because they're thinking about what they need and they're not thinking about how I can help other people out. And you get everywhere by doing that. I mean, you just get everywhere. I mean, you just go out of your way to help other people. Every door will open for you over time. And I had to, I, now I was pushing you when I in my 20s, so I kind of got places, but I would have gotten a lot further and with better relationships if the first half of my career I spent more time taking my own advice and just just be nice just be nice and be helpful and work hard and you'll get there it happens every
0: time do you have any examples of uh something that you do maybe um you meet somebody who now obviously you said that you worked for getty let's say that there's a wire service who you'd like to work for you meet somebody you're very nice to them is there anything that you do maybe to follow up with them afterwards to try to stay fresh in their mind
1: oh totally i mean there's a lot i mean a lot of these people have they have their own products like You know, Bruce Bender, he's got his own book, right? Very few people think, let me buy the book and let me leave a review for him on Amazon and thank him for what he did by doing this book. The problem most people do is, especially when they come upon people that are more successful, they think, well, these people have everything, so I don't need to give them anything. I need what they've got. Instead of thinking everybody's kissing their butt and everybody wants something from them. But nobody's really just looking to give them something. Nobody's looking to help them. And, and so, so I've noticed this from, as our career elevated and seeing the people that I'm around, like that's the way it works. And, but, the, but if you go out of your way to help, send a gift, write a thank you card, just say, I really love your work. That one picture that I saw, that really kind of changed my, do something to give back. And it doesn't take that much to do, but hardly anybody does it. Makes and sense. But if you were to ask me that five years ago, I probably wouldn't have given you that answer. But then it's, I've learned so much from the business part of this, you know, from this. And I'm like, that's the first thing I would do.
0: I love it. Well, Vinny, I, I know that you are extremely busy. And I really want to be mindful of your time, of course, because you have so much going on right now. So um, it, can you tell the listeners where they can find you online? Um, and, of course, like I said, I'm going to link to um, your free course as well so that they can find it there, too.
1: Awesome. Um, I'm on Instagram. <clears throat> I should I should update more than I do, but it's Vinnie Pug Photo. Um, Elizabeth Vincent Photography is our website, and uh, the sports course is I will read. It. It's, it's SchultzPhotoschool.com/sports. I'll send you the link so you can put it in there. But that's you really right? easy to remember. It is right. S H U L T Z. There's no C in there. But uh, SchultzPhotoschool.com/sports. And yeah, if you want, I mean, if anybody wants to sign up, it's going to be great. We're, we're excited
0: about it. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Even if you do not have kids or you do not want to be a sports photographer, there were so many things that I took away as a wedding photographer that I know is going to better the way that I shoot and how I even interact with clients. Everything that Vinny said was, super relevant to, like I said, not only sports photographers, but should be to everybody else. Photography is about emotion, which he talks about, and it's about dealing with other people, right? If you want to get paid for your photos, you're going to be working with people. And you want to make sure that those people are happy with not only the photos, but the experience that they had with you. You want to make sure that you stick out in their mind. And oh my goodness, like I said, I am going to be changing quite a few things, I think, in my workflow um, just to enhance the client experience just so that it's better. And Vinny, if you're listening right now, man, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing everything that you did. I'm excited because I know that a lot of listeners are going to sign up for your free course. And I highly recommend that everybody do that right now. Like I said, uh, or like Vinny said in the interview, if you want to do that, you can find the links in the show notes of today's episode at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. You'll find Vinny's episode, and then you can scroll down to the bottom and click the link from there. Or you can just go to schultzphotoschool.com forward slash sports. That's S-H-U-L-T-Z, photoschool.com forward slash sports. And that's it. Guys, if you like this episode, I would be forever grateful if you could leave me a rating or a review in iTunes or whatever podcast app that you're listening to me on right now. It really helps grow the podcast. It really helps other beginner photographers find the podcast, and that is what is ultimately going to let us interview bigger names to get you better information so that you can grow your skills and knowledge of photography to become whatever it is that you want to become. So again, thank you so much. That is it. Guys, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at beginnerphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash beginnerphotographypodcast. Or find us on Instagram at username beginnerphotopodcast. Guys, that is all that I have for this week. I know that you enjoyed it. I will see you next time. And until then, keep shooting.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. Be sure to join the conversations on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want any links or resources we talked about in today's episode, check out the show notes at
0: beginnerphotographypodcast.com. See you again next week.